Hello. My name is Dr. Mercurio Arborea, and I am the founder of the Arborea Institute. Through our unique blend of benign pharmacology, sensory therapy, and energy sculpting, we can guide you to a new, better, happier you. You're about to embark on a great journey let the new age of enlightenment begin. What is at stake is more than one small country. It is a big idea, a new world order. It's no longer a theory. What I'm about to say is fact. The secret organizations of the world power elite are no longer secret. They have planned and are now leading us into a one-world communist government. Welcome useless eaters to the Odd Man Out podcast, where we talk about hidden history, depolitical policy, occult deconstruction, economics, religion, and philosophy. I'm your rabbit hole aficionado, the Odd Man. Welcome. The affirmative task we have now is, uh, is to actually... Um, Public policy could itself become the captive of a scientific, technological elite. And when that first cocaine was smuggled in on a ship, it may as well have been a deadly bacteria so much as it hurt the body, the soul of our country. But take my word for it, this scourge will stop. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for listening to another Oddcast featuring me. Your odd man out, and this week I've got a special guest, someone that I've been wanting to have on for for a very long time. We've talked about it, and I just hadn't pulled the trigger because I'm I'm lazy when it comes to that <laughs> kind of thing, and I'm always always feel like I'm bothering people too because I know people's schedules are very busy, especially if they're also into podcasting and have other jobs and different things like that. But I'm very excited to introduce. Adam Clark, who's been a real friend to me and helped me out a lot as far as podcasting goes. And some of you, I'm sure that probably at least half my listeners will be familiar with him as Ruckus from Alternate Current Radio. But um, I think the other half would benefit from being introduced to him. And um, so, Adam, could you kind of, um, well, well, tell us what... uh, shows you're affiliated with and what um, networks you're affiliated with. And we'll kind of go from there and uh, kind of get your background a little bit, if you wouldn't mind. Sure, of course. Howdy, 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 folks. Uh, That's what I usually say is my three howdies. There's a reason for it. I'll get into that in a minute if you like. But thank you so much, first of all, Jason, odd man out. Uh, If I'm going to use my real name, we're going to use yours every once in a while, right? That's that's the beauty of doing this sometimes. We're we're pseudonymous. We're not necessarily anonymous. We're not necessarily balls to the wall, all out there. You know where we live and everything. But I guess the term is pseudonymous. But, yes, my real name is Adam Clark, and I go by Ruckus. Um, it's, uh, it's something that kind of stuck with me 
uh, from years and years ago. Um, we'll get into that too. But here's who I am and what I do. I currently uh, have a podcast called The Daily Ruckus, which is actually in hiatus, but that's uh, what I do over at the Alternate Current Radio, uh, which is how I kind of got hooked up with you, my man. Um, True story. I've told you this, but I'll tell the listener. I've been listening to your podcast since before Alternate Current Radio knew who you were. Uh, I don't even remember how that happened. It just I downloaded an app on my phone or something, and it was a podcast thing, and I was searching, like, oh, I'm into occult secret societies, and like, only one came up, and it was you, and I think it was only, like, the second episode you'd ever done or something. It was it was through Podbean. Yeah, that's what it was, for sure, um, or something like that. I don't remember if you were always on Podbean, but I was like, when you got hooked up with Alternate Current Radio, I was like, no way, I listened to this podcast. How did this happen? What's going on? So that was pretty cool. Um, I am currently with uh, a network called TNT Radio uh, dot live. Uh, that's actually today's news talk is the full name, um, but they go by TNT Radio, and that's their website, TNT Radio dot live. That's actually my job, uh, if if you can believe that. So I don't do podcasting there. Uh, it is not a podcast platform, but there is plenty of topics and things and shows on there that have a podcasty kind of feel. But what it is, it's like that old school. You remember this odd man? Remember talk radio? Yeah, you know, live talk radio. Remember, like, Rush Limbaugh, uh, even Alex Jones doing his thing. You know, Bill Cooper, you know, like, that kind of, like, actual live, real radio, right? Uh, the way it was meant to be, supposed to be. Um, a lot of people kind of lump it up into, like, alternative media, conservative media, but it's not true. If you actually were to tune into TNT Radio Live uh, to, for the full 24 hours, because they broadcast live. 24 hours. No one else does that. That's insane. Uh, they do this because they're based out of Australia, uh, so they have presenters from all over the world as well as listeners. That's how they're able to do what they do. Um, but every single presenter and all of the guests come from all different walks of life, all sorts of different religious beliefs, all sorts of political views. And it appears to me that the one thing that's holding the room together, like if there's one rug that everybody's standing on, we are all against... Uh, people infringing on our freedoms, uh, especially when it comes to the Karunka stuff, the the face masking, the lockdowns, the vaccines, the impending climate lockdowns. We're pretty much all, no, not pretty much, 100% all in agreement that that is wrong. So it doesn't matter who you are, where you come from, what you believe, what cards you carry as a voter, which holy book you, you, you worship from. No, no government, no other human being on the planet has the right to infringe on your rights, period. So that's, that's kind of where we all stand together over there at TNT Radio. Um, they happen to be uh, listeners and fans of some of the people associated with Alternate Current Radio, uh, in particular Patrick Henningsen. So they kind of threw their, their, their little fishing rod his way and snagged him up as a presenter. And not long, they snagged up uh, Hesher who, thanks to TNT Radio, the world now knows his name is Brian McLean, and he's now the co-host of a great program there called State of the Nation. Uh, and I got roped in originally with them uh, as the co-host for Joseph Arthur on his podcast uh, slash radio show called uh, The Technicolor Dreamcast. It's a great show. Joseph Arthur is an awesome person. I'm happy to consider him one of my close friends now. Uh, but I started out just basically being a co-host on his show. I would show up uh, maybe one or two hours out of his weekly program at the time. It's now switched to a weekend show on Saturday nights. 
Uh, I don't have the times in front of me. Uh, you can discover that by going to tntradio.live. Uh, but now I do occasionally show up on that show, but what I am now is a producer. So I actually help produce shows for that network, including Joseph's show. Uh, I'm also technically a producer for the following shows, the Mark Morano show, Lynn's Warriors with Lynn Shaw, uh, World Stage with Bruce DeTorres, and one of my favorites, the Harvori Morich show. Uh, so I do that. On top of that, I'm also a news presenter. And what that entails is I actually come on air live uh, six times during the day for about 10 minutes each segment, and I bring a breaking news story to the host of the particular shows that I'm on, and then I do a little bit of a back and forth with them and discuss the, the story before they take it to a break and they bring on their next guest or they move on with their show. So I, I've really expanded it, moving from podcasting to this live news reporting stuff, kind of like the guys that you see on TV where they're like, hey, we're going to go to John Smith with the story. Well, I'm the John Smith with the story. So it's pretty cool. Uh, it's very fun. I get to pick the stories that I bring. Uh, there's very few uh, stipulations or requests when it comes to what they, they, they ask that I bring to the table. They seem quite happy with what I'm doing. The hosts enjoy it. The listeners enjoy it. And I definitely enjoy it. Uh, so that's kind of what I'm doing over there. Um, and then, of course, the podcast, The Daily Ruckus, over at Alternate Current Radio. We'll come back as soon as I figure out how to fit that into that extremely busy schedule that I just described. Uh, and real quick for the listeners, so you know what the shows are that I do my news stories on, uh, TNT Radio, is for the Joe Hoft. Well, I'll do them in order. So the Steve Hook Show, the Joe Hoft Show, the Misty Winston Show, the Reckoning with Timothy Shea, and the Hervori Morris Show, which I actually do a story for him twice because he's got a two-hour-long show. So... Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm a very, very, very busy dude. And besides all that, every once in a while, I managed to squeeze in some time to help you out, my man, with your podcast up at Alternate Current Radio. I wish I could do more. But uh, that's uh, that's my basic introduction for where I'm doing now. Um, if you like, I can uh, do a little brief history uh, of where I come from and how I got involved in doing podcasting. I would love that, absolutely, yeah. And I just want to say, too, um, you know, TNT Radio, I've been – fortunate enough uh, enough to be a guest on uh, Brian's show and Havori's show. I think maybe one other show too. Oh, Joseph's. Uh, and there might've been one other one. I can't remember now, but they've got a great mix of hosts over there and uh, it's really uh, an eclectic bunch really. So uh, there's something for everyone and it's, you know, for radio, it's pretty much uncensored. I mean, you're not going to hear like, you know, F bombs a lot and stuff like that, but you're going to, as far it's as con too. There are, <laughs> there is, you're going to hear, you know, like content that you're not going to probably hear on a, on a lot of the local radio. It's, it's more honest and people are, I think they can tell the truth <laughs> on TNT radio, which I kind of think a lot of mainstream um, conservative media kind of has their hands tied, maybe because of their sponsors and different things like that. But uh, yes, please tell us your background. I'm really interested to uh you know, and I know a little bit, but not certainly not everything. Just kind of how you became a fan of of talk radio, and how you kind of uh, broke into the business of podcasting and talk radio. Because you've been, if I'm not mistaken, you've been doing this for quite a while. So yeah, just fill us in on your background. 
Yeah, I'm getting old now. It, it blows my mind sometimes. Uh, this is certainly not anything I planned on doing. I fell into everything uh, quite by accident, quite literally. But uh, looking back in my history and my childhood and, and things about my life in retrospect, now I realize, okay, there were little seeds planted here and there along the way. So it shouldn't be, it's not like it just came out of nowhere. But it, it did indeed drop on my lap. It was nothing I planned on doing. Uh, radio was something I actually enjoyed uh, for the longest time. I remember, uh, I don't remember what age, but certainly at least a preteen throughout my teen years, uh, but maybe closer to when I was a preteen having to sneak and hide doing this. But I would listen, stay up late and listen to the, the re-airing of the Howard Stern show. Uh, loved that show. Uh, not not good for kids, of course. But I think that, that kind of thing really drew, drew me into this whole idea of like radio. And from there, I was listening to things like um, Paul Harvey. I can't explain it. There was something about that guy. I loved listening to him. Good stuff. Um, and then throughout, you know, I would listen to whatever the local, like, news stations were. You know what I mean? Like, local talk radio, okay, here and there. All right. But it wasn't, like, a big obsession of mine uh, until – okay, so by the way, I, so I graduated high school and all that, went to college. I was, like, a straight-A student, graduated sixth in my class. I was really super, super smart kid. Sometimes I still am. I just don't like to be smart anymore. It's boring. Uh, but I went to a really uh, interesting college. I moved uh, from New Hampshire to New Mexico. I went to the New Mexico Institute of Mining and Technology. It's also known as New Mexico Tech. I was tricked by my high school guidance counselor that I might want to save the planet. And so I decided I wanted to be an environmental engineer. And even though my strong suits were actually more math and physics and uh, English history reading kind of oriented stuff, I was very good at science too. And so I thought, okay, this is cool. So I went to this college out here in New Mexico, which is how I got to where I am. Excuse me. And uh, learned very quickly I did not want to do environmental engineering, <laughs> uh, molecular biology, uh, biochemistry. Sure, I can do it. It's just, again, not my strong suit. It didn't appeal to me. I got bored really quick. Decided to rather party, maybe drop out of high, uh, drop out of college and change my mind and see what I really wanted to do. I was kind of leaning towards math and physics for some reason. And I always had an interest in writing, and, and back in the day, I, I did want to be like an investigative journalist for some reason. I always thought that might be something I might do. So I always had these ideas. So I dropped out of college, and I just got into the workforce. And uh, next thing you know, uh, another love of my life became a serious power play. Uh, that's marketing, because um, I, I was actually exposed to marketing as young as 10 years old. My parents, after they got divorced, my dad and my stepmom got heavily involved in a network marketing company and dragged me and my sister along. And uh, we helped out with a lot of things. And I learned so much. Uh, so I had this like in, innate love for marketing, advertising. I was always a creative type. So um, throughout some of the jobs I was working, I kind of got involved with marketing stuff uh, but I was doing retail restaurants but then I was doing advertising and marketing and stuff like that for a lot of places uh, then I was in uh, management for a while I got I was working for years at a video store that was fun Hollywood video uh, they're no longer with us I don't think any video stores with us anymore <laughs> there might be one blockbuster left somewhere in Alaska from what I hear which is kind of strange um, I think they even made a TV series about it the, the last blockbuster or oh something yeah like that. You know, it's strange. Everybody I talked to that worked at a video store had a great time. You know, I've talked to quite a few people, and one of my good friends uh, also worked at a blockbuster. Uh, I think it was a blockbuster, but anyway, he, he loves to talk about the good, you know, stories, the good old days. So, uh, yeah, I miss was, those. I miss those. You just have to be there, fun. right? 
yeah, I'm not into movies now, but I certainly was at the time. So if mm. you're into movies, holy moly, that was a blast. I also worked at a toy store for a while. That was also very fun getting to play with the toys. It was KB Toys. I don't oh, know yeah. if the listeners remember that one, but that was the one inside the malls. Uh, and uh, that company went through like a bankruptcy rescheduling thing, and they did this whole new marketing thing that I was really on board with. I was like, this is great. It was like um, the, the employees were encouraged to open up the toys on the floor and just play with them with the with the customers and it was wildly successful it's a shame the company went away but it was that was a blast too uh so i left all of that behind and um i really left it all behind and decided i'm done with the corporate world i'm going to work for myself i'm going to take everything i learned and what i know and i called myself the wordslinger that was approximately 2008 when i started quote unquote air quotes here folks uh working for myself as the wordslinger and i was just looking to help small businesses entrepreneurs uh content creation was just starting to become a thing around then you know youtube was just starting to pick up it's nothing like it is now uh facebook was was still fairly new so i was i was learning how to use that to help people you know advertise on there i learned i taught myself how to do like little simple websites and stuff like that uh and some point during all of that i also got heavily involved in video games believe it or not uh, it was actually the, the end time of my time with Hollywood Video. I started getting into video games. But then, you know, when you're not working full time and you got some extra time on your hands, you kind of get sucked into that crap. So I got sucked into that crap. Um, and one of the uh, people, well, at, around the same time, I started listening to radio again because, again, I had more time, right? So uh, I don't know what it was about the types of radio I was listening to, but I wound up liking conservative talk radio you know like uh i was listening to a lot of like republic uh broadcasting network rbn which is uh still around actually uh shout out to i think mark anderson our, our friend the truth hound does stuff over there um so i was listening to stuff like that i, I would listen and then through that uh and i i got uh, introduced to like genesis communications you know what i mean uh which is ironic because i was listening to other shows every show except Alex Jones. I, I still hadn't caught on to that guy, but I was playing video games and a friend of mine who I was playing online video games with uh, decided to try to proselytize to me about his tinfoil hat wearing conspiracy theories about the state of our world, as it were. Uh, and he says, hey, uh, bro, you should check out this. And he sent me an email that contained a link to Alex Jones, uh, his police state four or i don't know which one it was police state two it wasn't the first one it was one of the sequels uh and it was like a remake of it i don't know what it, but it was wild man and i was like my jaw hit the floor and like my brain like like i was like what what the heck it just reminds me of something uh what it reminded me of was uh back in the day uh when i had first become a born-again christian when i was about 11 or 12 years old uh, I went to one of those really uh, holy roller type churches, Baptist, Southern Baptist, actually, uh, dancing in the aisles and all that. But heavy, heavy on the prophecy stuff. They really actually back then preached about the the end time events, uh, this concept, this idea of a, a basically a one world government, a one world currency, the beast system, the mark of the beast. All of that stuff was really already beaten into me. And a lot of the things that I, I saw as a result of my exposure to Alex Jones sent me down a huge rabbit hole. And I don't know how many months, uh, I did have a lot of free time on my hand. So it was probably six to eight months max. I, I 
I just, I researched like hardcore, man. I was going to the library. I was uh, going online. I was downloading, printing. I still have binders and notebooks just full of things. At some point during all of that, my friend who introduced me to Alex Jones introduced me to Bill Cooper. And I got seriously, but towards the end of my own personal research, I started listening to Bill Cooper. And then I dug into his Mystery Babylon series, and that solidified it. By then, I was like, oh, I felt like I was an expert in all of this stuff, right? But so what, right? What do we do with this? Well, at that some point along towards the end of that discovery and teeming with, like, hatred towards the world because I'm the only one who thinks this way. I'm the only one who's awake, or I don't even remember what we used to call it back then, but we used to have a term for it that was similar to this concept of woke, right? Uh, did we even call it being woke back then? I can't remember. I feel like they stole that from us. I do too. Yeah, I think that we would say the term waking up a lot of times, or when yeah. was the first time that you woke up? Yeah. So I think we kind of added the up on it, or not added, but we came up with that, I think, way before the, you know, it was weird. It kind of like went from woke was people like us to woke was these people, you know, and the liberal side who were... <laughs> So I don't know when that happened ex exactly. And Replace the W with a J, and that's what you got on the other side. Right, <laughs> right, exactly. You got the walk. That's a joke. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, uh, so I, I wound up getting uh, into this one guy, uh, he who shall not be named, uh, a radio show. Some dude who I thought was pretty cool, pretty sincere. He was very sensational, very bombastic, very appealing. Uh, since Bill Cooper was no longer with us, uh, I found it really fascinating that this guy actually was using references to Bill Cooper in his show intro, and I thought, hey, this guy's got to be legit. So I started listening. He had a website. He had an online chat. Yeah, of course, now everybody's quite familiar with online chats, and we got that going uh, with Alternate Current Radio, with TNT, and all that stuff. But that was fairly new back then and kind of a weird thing and not certainly anything normal people do. Uh but I was anything but normal, so I decided I'm going to actually register, put in my name here or whatever, use a fake name, and, and join in on this live interactive chat during this exciting, conservative, bombastic uh, show, right? And uh, so I did, and I was like, well, what, what am I going to use? I'm, I'm too afraid to use my real name. I'm ne you definitely, especially back then, man, you don't use your real name. You're right. hiding what if the government finds out who I am? They're going to come kick down my door at the FBI and they're going to arrest me or accuse me of pedo or something, right? Steal my computer. All sorts of wild, crazy conspiracy theorists. I'm going to go in a coffin in the FEMA camps with Alex Jones, right? So you're scared. So you use a, you use a fake name. And I thought, well, what name would I use? Well, when I was a video gamer, online on PS3, my username was ruckus-7. The reason for that was because I couldn't come up with a name for my PlayStation account, so I picked my cat's name. My cat's name was Ruckus. <laughs> and so when I tried to be Ruckus on the PlayStation network, they're like, that name's already taken. So I was like, oh, okay. They're like, try adding hyphen or question marks or numbers. I'm like, okay, so I'll do dash and I'll do seven because that's a lucky number. And they're like, okay, that name is acceptable. I was like, okay, whatever. Didn't even think anything of it. So that was my, that's still my username on PlayStation Network. If you're out there, you ever seen Ruckus-7? That's me. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, so when I went on this online chat room, I just went by Ruckus, um, which was doubly ironic because uh, at some point after I had made that decision, I, I, I had a big, uh, scene at a at a bank uh where uh the, the the bank manager had to come out and tell me 
uh, that I was caught. They, they said I was causing a ruckus. Uh, so that always <laughs> kind of stuck with me. Uh, that's actually happened to me at least three times uh, since I picked my name. I'm like, do they know or something? How, what are they? What? Crazy. Because you don't hear that word very often. And every time I hear it, like on TV or in the news, I'm like, aha, I'll write it down or I'll try to record it because I have this grand idea that when I go back to doing my podcast, I'd like to include a different audio clip of somebody else saying, what's all the ruckus or something like that, right? Yeah. yeah. So that's why I chose ruckus. And so I was hanging out listening to this guy do his thing. And I was really impressed and, and happy with what he was doing. And I met some people inside that chat that I know to this day uh, whose names shall remain anonymous. But I think most people who listen to me or the Boiler Room understand that, uh, yes, that's where I met Hesher and Spore. I uh, was in that same chat room with this other radio show. Uh, but one day, don't even remember when or why, I was out on my skateboard smoking a cigarette, listening to the show on my phone, I remember, um, and the, the guy who does this show, uh, somehow he had a guest on and he was taking callers and um, I, I felt inspired. I was like, yeah, you know what, I need to do something. I, You know what? So I called into the show. Uh, I was actually already by then a regular caller to the show, but I was calling from outside on my phone. <clears throat> That's how I was listening. I was listening. You can call into the show to listen in. Some shows used to do that, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. You know what I'm talking about. But then I decided I want to go on air, and I said, you know what? I'm going to start my own podcast. I proclaimed live on air, and I didn't know what it was going to be about, but just that I was going to do it uh, because I felt it was important to jump in and, and, you know, do this thing and help it grow and all that stuff, right? So I got really inspired to do that. Um, so I did, and my, my podcast was called The Ruckus Room Reality Radio. Uh, and it was very weird. It was kind of unique. I would just basically take casual conversations with uh, my friends and, and other alternative media types uh, and uh, just kind of whip it together uh, like a Quentin Tarantino. I would, I would, they, nothing, it was more like Robot Chicken, actually, to be honest with you. It was, it was so like, nothing made sense. I, I could take, there are many times I would take a full interview, a conversation with a roundtable discussion of like four or five people, but rather than play the interview from beginning to end, I would play it out of order on purpose. <laughs> and then I would have like this, 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 this sound effect, which I do use in my, <clears throat> my new podcast, but it sounded like the static on a TV changing channels, kind of like the robot chicken sound, right? Yeah. So I incorporated that, but it was more like a, a really high pitched screeching, not necessarily the television changing channels. It was like a radio changing channels. Mm. Right. Because I was trying to my concept was I wanted this to be like reality radio because there's reality TV, but there's no such thing as reality radio. So that was my concept with it. So it was kind of interesting. So I would play a segment and then you would hear that <laughs> crazy noise and it would go to like me talking to somebody else, like a buddy of mine. And he's just working on his car in the garage and we're just talking <laughs> about something that had nothing to do with the previous conversation. Then it would like <laughs> go back again and then it'd be like pick up again at a further part of the actual interview. And I would just do that all throughout the whole two hour long show. And ironically enough, people liked it. Uh, I certainly enjoyed doing it. It was a lot of work, a lot of post editing, uh, which, uh, anyone who does podcasting knows, uh, that sucks. So, <laughs> yes. Uh, I, and I had to do a lot of it for what I was doing because of the way I was doing it. So it was not fun. Um, also I didn't have a lot of experience doing that. So, a lot of self-taught stuff throughout that, but the experience of doing that and teaching myself as well as uh, then becoming far more heavily involved with that, that guy's other radio show, he decided he wanted to start a network. It's like, oh, look, we got Ruckus. He's got a show. We got this other guy's got a show. I got a show. We got a network. 
Well, no, I think a lot more needs to, you know, thought needs to go into it. But he did, and he just kind of relied on some volunteers at first. Uh, but little did we know, the guy was uh, sucking off of us. Uh, actually, uh, he had money, making money. He could have paid people, and he didn't. He was using people. Apparently, he just didn't even believe in what he was saying on air. He was completely deceiving folks. And we were like, wow, okay. Uh, so those of us who figured it out jumped ship. Um, and then uh, not long, uh, well, a little while after that, well, I, I went into hiding, basically. I literally disappeared from everywhere. Uh, then when my good friend Zesher and Spore uh, reemerged and had started this awesome network, Alternate Current Radio, I was certainly listening in the background and as fans. And I was tempted every once in a while to hop in, in there and say, hey, uh, what's going on, guys? But I didn't. I was too scared. So every once in a while, though, after I was less scared, I would pop in every once in a while on their Spreaker and just drop a hashtag that said, Ruckus was here. That was it. That's all I would ever say. And I would do it, I would do it often, uh, frequently, whenever I, I remembered to, because uh, I was just, I was so busy. By then, I had started working for a, uh, a moving company out here in Albuquerque, uh, and that actually, he was just a client of mine. But he, I thought he was a cool guy. I thought he had a cool concept with this uh, moving and cleaning company, relocating folks and then cleaning their houses afterwards. Hey, I think you got something there, right? Mm. That's a neat idea. I can help you market that. So help them build all of that from the ground up, basically. So he was no longer a client. I was working for him full time. Uh, and then some. <laughs> very, very, <laughs> like twice full time. I was doing wearing a lot of hats for that company. Uh, so, uh, that kept me busy for the longest time. And then eventually I thought, you know what, I would like to try to do something again. So I had this wacky idea for something I was going to call the daily ruckus. Uh, and it was just uh, literally seven to 10 minutes long. Um, and I was like, well, I'm only going to do it if I have a place to do it. Uh, so I was like, well, I have to do it myself first and make sure I can do it. So I did, I have a Spreaker account. I've had one for the longest time. So I just did it. And uh, the reason I did such a short show is because when you're a free user on Spreaker, you're limited to s small amounts of time that you can do over there, right? So I did. I would record my, my podcast. Um, and this one was very different from what I was doing before. This one was actually, I would grab about three or four, sometimes five different like news stories uh, that had nothing to do with each other technically, but... The way my brain works, I managed to figure out a way to make them all kind of like relatable in a way, the way I put them all together. And then I had fun with these like snarky little comments, comments in between. I would play with some audio tweaks every once in a while. A lot of the stuff that I learned doing the, the ruckus room, right? A lot of my fun stuff that I used to do. Uh, and then the, the other thing is to, for time's sake, I had to speed it up a little bit. So if you ever find some of these old episodes, they're out there. I'm talking really fast, and it's not me talking fast. It's because I had to speed up the, the recording part on the, the, the post-editing. Uh, so that was always kind of interesting. Um, so, But it was fun, and then I, I showed it to, to Hesher and Spore after I did a few episodes and said, hey, if you want, you can you know, pick these up from my spree career and re-air them on your network. Uh, and they're like, oh, the heck yeah, and so they did. Uh, unfortunately, I was just far too busy to keep that up. I made it maybe like 14 episodes, if that, dude. Um, and I had to stop again, and then I kind of dropped off the planet again. Uh, things got pretty rough and wacky and wild in my personal life. Uh, that's neither here nor there. Uh, and then uh, fast forward to uh, basically the pandemic. And uh, all of a sudden, I found myself with a lot, a lot of extra time again and a lot on my mind. And uh, I was just really angry at what I was seeing, what I was witnessing. I was like, wow, 
we're about to experience the world's biggest psyop and everybody's falling for it. I'm like, dude, I'm trying to tell my friends and family, look at me, I'm a germaphobe. They know this. I'm like always constantly washing my hands and worried about germs, but I'm not worried about this pandemic. Uh, I was able to tell very, very early on in the pandemic, uh, thanks to the way they, they, you know, they operate and the way they talk in the news uh, and my background in marketing. I was like, oh, look at this. They're creating a problem. They're about to roll in with a solution. Five bucks says it's going to be related to the pharmaceutical industry. Oh, look, Bill Gates, vaccines. Hmm. I wonder what this is really all about. Look, people getting pissed off. They, they don't want to lock down. They don't want their kids not to go to school. They don't want to wear the face masks. And I'm like, oh, clearly setting up like, hey, don't worry soon. You won't have to worry about any of those things. We have the answer. Just take a shot. So I was one of those people. Uh, there, there were... Uh, quite a decent number of folks out in the alternative media who, who came to that conclusion. Uh, but uh, I was not a member of the alternative media at the time because I was just ruckus doing nothing. Um, but that's not true because uh, at some point during all of that, I decided I can't just not be ruckus. Uh, I'm not going to go harass my friends Hesher and Spore right now. What I'm going to do is I'm going to dust off this here thing called Twitch. I don't know if the listeners familiar with Twitch, but it's a video game streaming platform primarily, um, and also where you can see halfway naked chicks hanging out in a bath uh, tub or a hot tub in their living room for some reason. I don't know what's up with that, um, <laughs> but yeah. So apparently, you can do pretty much anything you want on Twitch. So I was like, well, I wonder if this is a way for me to sneak in some of my opinions about what I'm starting to see with this supposed alleged pandemic thing. Uh, well, I can't just go in there and start talking ruckus, so what can I do? Uh, well, i got to play a video game, right? Uh, well, uh, I'm afraid of sharks. Maybe it would be funny if I played a game about sharks. So that's what I do on Twitch. Uh, I was doing it on my mobile phone. I'm playing a game called Hungry Shark, where you are a shark and you run around eating people. It's funny. It's actually fun. I actually love the game, but I chose that just for that reason, just as like an icebreaker to get my foot in the door on this Twitch thing, right? So after I was doing that, I was actually talking while I was playing my game. So I was talking about things that you probably shouldn't be talking about on Twitch, right? I was pushing the envelope a little bit. And then I was like, screw it. I'm just going to take the, just do it. And so I, I started doing actual videos on, on, on Twitch. Uh, I did a, a few things. I don't remember what I was calling them. I was trying to come up with different names. I was like, should I call it Ruckus Among Us? Should I call it Ruckus Was Here? Since that was my hashtag. And I think I wound up doing... Uh, I came up with this brilliant idea. I might go back to doing this because it's really great. I called it mental combat. And I would take two opposing ideas, basically the mainstream narrative versus, you know, the truth or an alternative view. Not always the, you know, it wasn't always the truth or whatever. But just, just two opposing ideas and just, you know, present both of them and let the, you know, the viewer decide. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Very smart way of doing it. So I did things like vaccines versus, uh, you know, humanity. <laughs> things like that uh you know so tongue-in-cheeky kind of stuff uh and then i also liked to do like um, i would listen to documentaries so i would blast a documentary playing on the speakers to where everyone could hear it while i'm playing my shark game so they were learning like from bill cooper or from like james corbett uh a podcast or like an old school documentary about like esoteric stuff and symbolism um, secret societies, stuff like that, but I'm playing a shark game, you know? So it was like, it was kind of fun. Uh, and at some point, um, I, I built myself a Discord server associated with all of that, and um, Discord appealed to me very much. Um, that is like a, a, uh, a chat 
platform, like where it's kind of like a, uh, I don't know if you if you've never experienced it, I don't know what to how you would explain it to somebody, odd man, but it's like a, a threads. It's it's like a bunch of different. It's not just one chat; it's multiple chats. So on yeah. on your Discord server, you can have multiple channels. You can have voice chats. You can get on a call with people, video. You can share your screen. You can play video games there, and people can watch you. And when I saw this, I was like, hey, what would this look like if we built a server for a network, like, say, Alternate Current Radio, who I was, you know, definitely far more interested in, again, listening to hardcore all the time, 24-7, uh, in there every day saying Ruckus was here, right? So uh, I was, I had this secret plan. I had this secret plan. So I was working on my Discord server, but it wasn't meant to be my Discord server. It was meant to be like an experiment to see what I could build for alternate current radio if they were interested. So I beefed up my Discord building skills, and then I approached Hesher out of the blue. And he was quite surprised to hear from me and happy. Uh, we talked for quite a while, uh, me, him. I don't think I got to talk to Spore that night. Uh, I think the next night we did. But I told him my idea about the Discord, and he's like, shut up, man. What are you talking? No way. And I was like, what do you mean no way? He's like, dude, synchronicity. He had a Discord server, uh, and he would, he would <laughs> j just like that day, he said, just the, the today or just the other day, we were talking about we should do something with that Discord server. And then Ruckus just shows up and says, hey, yeah, I could build you a Discord server. So that night, he gave me access, put me in there as an admin, and me and him sat there and like, bam. I mean, it was like 48 hours or less we had like, just kick butt discord server going on over there uh for the boiler room for alternate current radio and um good timing too uh because we all needed it during that pandemic man uh that really there's whew, man it, it it feels good to 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 be with people who feel the same way you do uh who mm -hmm. feel lost feel like they're alone uh and to know that you're not alone and to be able to hang out with people so you, that's proof positive that you're not alone and uh it definitely helped through some really rough times for a lot of people um it, it got me uh in real good again with uh, the folks over there at acr uh and then um you know again, since i had the time i wasn't long before i said oh yeah by the way uh, i could probably do a podcast you know, you know oh yeah of course yeah please do and i'm like so i did my my full-on professional like hardcore much better version i think of the daily ruckus uh, but it was very similar to that one that I described earlier, except a much longer, more well-thought-out, planned uh, production. Um, I, I wound up putting together, it took me a little while, but I put together a pretty slamming intro, I think. I really like it. People really enjoy it. I start off with that classic song that just really resonates with everybody. I don't want to set the world on fire. And I had no idea how popular that song was with the video game crowd because it's featured in a video game, and I don't even remember which one. Is it Fallout? I'm not Something sure. Like I'm not sure. Yeah, so it just, for some reason, people just, they love that, and it just, <laughs> it really draws them in, and it just happens to be a song I really like, and it fit in with my radio dial thing that I was doing. Uh, but yeah, and I do that, and I, I worked in the uh, some of the lines about the one of my favorite movies of all time, The Breakfast Club, and they're talking about, could you describe the ruckus, sir? Uh, so it's good stuff. Uh, that's how the whole thing starts, and and you know I, how I how I do that. Sh my podcast is just so I miss doing it. I'm not gonna lie, but that was that's a lot of work. Um, yeah. The way I have it set up because it's all post production stuff, and so now I'm grateful for the skills that I'm learning. Uh, with what I'm doing at TNT Radio Live, because um, 
Well, here's the ironic thing. See, all of this stuff is like a synchronous path to get me to where I am now doing all those things because, you know, I started doing the podcast. I was on The Boiler Room, um, yeah. now obviously a regular feature on The Boiler Room. Um, but that that's live, too. Um, so, like, I was never skilled at the live thing. I was always, okay, I, I mess up all the time. I'm always worried about what I'm saying or what I'm doing. And it's always post-edit. I was always deleting or re-recording stuff, even during the Daily Ruckus. But now I don't have to do that. I feel far more confident about being able to present my, my thoughts, my ideas, my feelings in a live setting. And that's thanks to my experience being on the boiler room. And then now the stuff that I do with TNT radio live, uh, doing live, uh, news reads and all that stuff. And so, you know, being a guest over there too. Um, I never know what the, the host is going to ask me. So there's no preparation involved. Um, and so I, I was talking to Hesher just not that long ago, a few weeks ago saying, Hey, you know, when I ever go back to doing the daily ruckus again with your help if possible let's just do it live he's like oh yeah that's be so much easier i was like yeah <laughs> so uh if i do decide to do it again i'll probably just do it live um so i probably would probably pre-record my opening bit my opening setup that i do um mm -hmm. but then the rest of the show would just be doing it live uh, and i did do uh, a daily ruckus live one time uh, i think it's called daily ruckus we'll do it live <laughs> so, <laughs> we'll do it yeah. live but jump in now. Uh, questions? Uh, well, no, man. You you know uh, you do a great job, and in, in the daily ruckus is. I suggest people go back and listen because you have such thoughtful uh, ideas, creative stories. You know, really interesting stories that you you would talk about, and I think that uh, a lot of people would really find that interesting. A lot of people do the people that listen to it. So, and you. You know, when we're on Boiler Room or when I've heard you on uh, TNT, you know, you always have something like thoughtful and creative to say, you know, it's not, you don't just give a throwaway comment like, you know, some people on uh, you know, regular talk radio and stuff like that. So I've learned a lot from, uh, you know, just hanging out with you guys on uh, boiler room and, uh, and it's, it's really great to, uh, you know, to be with people like you're saying, like you were saying earlier, who think similar to you and also people who have, um, you know, you've got such a, a cool mix of people over there that uh, when we do boiler room that like you got all these opinions that, and they're really good opinions. It really makes you think you cannot, you know, listen or be a part of that show without thinking about things. So I think that's awesome. Uh, and uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of shows in the alternative media community, they're kind of, uh, I won't say canned, but uh, it's kind of the same old thing, and with uh, you know boiler room, you get a, a, a different. Uh, it's it's very different, you know. You get a, a, a rich set of opinions and ideas. Yeah, boiler room is great. It's like still one of my favorite shows, and I'm on it. <laughs> it's like wow, cool. <laughs> <laughs> and the odd man, it's, it's so crazy. Like this has been the wildest ride, man. Like the, some of the people that I respect and have been listening to and reading and following, now I get the chance to, to hang out with and or talk to sometimes. Excuse me. Uh, like I almost had, I, I almost had an opportunity. I'll just bring this up as an example. Like um, Joseph Arthur and the Technicolor Dreamcast is usually airing on Saturdays. Um, mm -hmm. And he's out in the UK uh, for this particular Saturday. So he was unable to do his show for this weekend. And I was supposed to guest host for him. Uh, so I was actually, I was going to interview you, actually. <laughs> um, <laughs> 
but I was, I was reaching out to some people. I was like, well, I might as well just shoot for some stars, some people who I consider stars, people that I'm like, Hey man, here's my opportunity. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to use the, the, you know, my chance here on it. So I reached out to media bear, Dr. Clown and Karen. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with them, but I'm big fans of theirs. They do the parody songs. Okay. Um, And they, 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 they do YouTube stuff too. Uh, it doesn't matter, but I'm a big fan of theirs. They're, they're content creators that I enjoy uh, watching as a, as, a, as a listener, as a viewer, as a fan. Mm-hmm. And I, I reached out to them cold, um, and I said, hey, listen, they, they happen to know who I am because they watched the Boiler Room, so that, that doesn't hurt. That helps, obviously. But <laughs> awesome. I don't think they were necessarily familiar with TNT Radio, so I reached out to them um, kind of last minute and said, hey, listen, I'm guest hosting this show would it be cool you guys want to come on and i can interview you i think it'd be fun and they're like oh man that would be awesome they got back to me right away and then i had to get back to them and say well actually we're not going to do that folks because uh tnt radio is doing a little bit of an upgrade uh during that time so i would not be able to do it anyways uh, oh, but no. i, I luckily <laughs> i was able to score them for a future date with joseph on the technicolor dreamcast and of course invited them to come on the boiler room for alternate current radio so that's always fun um, and then if I ever, you know, if I start doing, uh, my podcast again, or if I want to do like a special thing, I've always considered, I would like to do an interview style podcast one day. Maybe it's just something I do once a month or on my Twitch channel. Yeah. Uh, there's opportunities there, but it's, it's neat running into these people or hanging out with them sometimes on the back of a, a zoom call when I'm on there doing my news presentation. And then the, the guest comes in a little bit earlier you know, like so many times that's happened. I'll be like, I'll just, I'll be sitting here doing, just reading my news story with like Timothy Shea or Steve Hook. And then all of a sudden the little circle comes up on the Zoom call. And then all of a sudden on camera, there's, um, oh, look, that's Judge Gene Pirro. Uh, okay. <laughs> oh, look, it's Roger Stone. Okay. Oh, look, who we got? Gerald Salente. Wow. Okay. You know, I'm yeah. just using some of these big names as an example. I'm not necessarily big fans of all of them except Gerald Salente. Definitely a big fan of him. Um, but then, like, the, the guests that come on these various shows all the time, I'm like, holy moly, these are all the people that I watch from all these different places. And they're all kind of starting to come together in one place. It's really the, this, this family, this extended family of alternative. I'll just keep calling them alternative media because it is an alternative to the to the mainstream. Uh, sure, I don't care yeah. What you think about alt media doesn't always mean Alex Jones turning the frogs gay and Sandy Hook all you know, whatever. You know, it doesn't mean that. It just means it's an alternative to to the usual, right? Yes. Um, so, I, but I, I see that that the extended family does exist now since the pandemic. Like we were all scattered to the four winds and mm-hmm. some, a lot of people didn't know each other at all, but we've all started to come closer together into a smaller like uh, circle now, thanks to the pandemic. Uh, so I'm very grateful to a lot of the, the, the things like sure the pandemic was terrible, but if that didn't happen, you and I wouldn't be standing here talking right now doing this. Right. So it's pretty wild. Yeah, it's created a lot of opportunities, and you're right. Yeah, it's it's brought a lot of people together because I think that even people who have some political or social differences realized, oh my goodness, this is huge. We're you know under a, a program, an operation. You know, they're trying to <laughs> really sure up globalism. You know, I think obviously, uh, you know, it it didn't happen. I mean, it was Agenda Twenty One. You know, the main part of it happened in the year. 2021 so uh, you know we were we 
we were told it was going to happen. And, you know, not exactly that, but we knew something big was planned for that year. And um, so, yeah, it, it didn't disappoint in, in that regard. And I'm just glad that a lot of people in alt media and in the conservative and libertarian traditional circles have come together, you know, in, in a lot of instances and, and communicated and, and talked out ideas and, and, you know, are kind of hashing out things and trying to get to the truth because, uh, man, there were so many lies and so much chaos that it was, you know, it was easy to get overwhelmed. It's still, to me, I, I get overwhelmed when I try to keep up with the current news. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I really got to hand it to you guys that are, you know, you stay on top of that stuff. And because uh, it changes so fast, it's, it's mind blowing. But uh, you guys do such a good job of, uh, you know, parsing the, the, the current news the uh, the latest headlines and stuff like that, and that's it can't be easy. Oh well, <laughs> I'll tell you from my experience of what I do, just trying to pick out six news stories and then have them prepared and leads written for them and sent to the hosts on time. And yeah, it's it's not easy uh, because, like you say, it's always changing, and, and it's not like I can't wake up and. Uh, on, on a work day and be like, oh, I already know how my day is going to be. No, I have no idea. You know what I mean? Because I have to go, I have to learn what, what, okay, what's what's happening today. And, oh, wow, look at that. Now I got to, I'm going to have to report on this. And a lot of stuff I don't want to report on. It's not like, it's like, oh, I want to talk about this. Uh, it's news. You know, it's different. It's um, a rare instance where I'll get a topic on TNT as far as my news presentations are concerned. That is something that I actually want to talk about sometimes it's good news and i'm happy to report it that's different uh you know um and that's always good a lot of times it's politics and i'm not a big big fan of politics but that is the reality that we live in and that is what 90 probably 99 percent of all talk radio is about anyway uh if i'm not mistaken it's always politics right right yeah uh, but it, but i have a new appreciation for it and i understand how how it works and and why people get sucked into it and i have new new theories about it now um i really feel like okay i, I think politics is kind of like sports for smart people you know what i mean mm -hmm. not not like this the, the not like the the super smart people that's like oh those are the hoity-toity university types uh theoretical philosophers and you know maths physicists types nasa scientists whatever but but like in general like the, the like you have people who like oh they they know everything about sports and they're into sports right and mm -hmm. it's like but they're they're not like not the sharpest tools in the shed usually but they're very smart about their sports and that's what right. they're into and they're very passionate about it well people who are passionate and care about the the world around them and their communities and their kids and their families and they want to be passionate about something that's politics mm -hmm. and then they, they they they'll latch on to the identity of that and get into these groups and like kind of like how like we feel like we like love hanging out with each other in the boiler room discord or with each other during the pandemic that's like oh they love hanging out with other Democrats, they love hanging out with other Republicans. Like, oh, I'm MAGA, or I'm this, or I'm I'm Libertarian. Oh, I'm a Ron Paul guy. I'm a Bernie's bro. You know, like that yeah. that that fits that niche. Um, you have religious people who that niche for them is their 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 church life, right? Um, everybody has something, right? But it's all a distraction still at the end of the day is what I'm learning. So I'm like, I don't hate on people who are into politics and yes, politics is important. But at the end of the day, I, I realized that 
yeah, you could vote for blue or you could vote for red, but at the end of the day, that doesn't change anything. You know what I mean? So it, it, it sucks for me to, to know that sometimes and then to have to talk on air with a host who's totally sold on their political candidates mm-hmm. and then react to a, a news story. Um, I, sometimes I feel I'm guilty by association, but I'm not, I'm not injecting my, you know, opinion unless it's asked for. That's not the, the role I serve there. But uh, right. if somebody were to ask me, like, like, well, hey, Adam, don't you think this is unfair treatment to Trump? Well, yes, yes, I do think this is unfair treatment to Trump. Well, do you think, are you going to vote for him? Crickets. <laughs> well, actually, no, I'm not going to vote for him, uh, but that's okay. <laughs> but you do you. <laughs> but I, I'm not. I'm not here to push one candidate over the other. Uh, but occasionally, I do speak my mind about about politics um, mm-hmm. over there. Uh, but none of them are going to change anything. They're all part of a, a broken system. Uh, so I. I I, I don't know. I, I know you're a little bit into the politics stuff, uh, but do, do you think at this point is the system – is it doable? Can we vote uh, our guy in there, odd man, and we're going to get our way or things are going to go for the better? Well, you know, I, I hate to say it, but I get more and more skeptical uh, the older I get, you know, the more I learn, you know, and I, I think it's almost one of those it's, – it's, it's as much a curse as it is a blessing to know things and to, to research – but yeah, I think that once uh, you know, get up there to a certain level in politics, I just don't believe that there's any hope because I believe all these guys are controlled. And you know, you go back to um, oh, uh, Bill Clinton's favorite professor, Carol Quigley, you know, who wrote those books about the Council on Foreign Relations and the whole uh, basically international banking cabal. And you know, he said that I guess in the '60s, if I'm not mistaken, when he wrote Tragedy and Hope, that you know, it was all controlled, you know, they, they allow for us to have this Democrat and Republican facade, but it's mainly just theater. And, and and that's just, you know, it's too much for people to, most people to handle. They cannot, you know, they really can't fathom that. For one, I think it scares them to believe that there's this hidden power behind politics. And two, uh, I think that, like you were saying, they, um, they're, they're so invested in this party or that party that, you know, one of the factions that they, and especially the leaders, it seems like the leaders, especially in the more conservative side, I feel like, you know, with the the more Democrat liberal leaning people, I feel like they've, they've always really held an affinity. Well, in the modern times for government as a whole, it's kind of almost like taking the place of the church and where, you know, at least, you know, in the last, well, as far as I can remember, in my lifetime, the conservatives have been more kind of anti-government, not completely anti-government, not like anarchists, but more um, smaller government, more personal freedom. At least they think they are, but then we, you know, they continue to pick people who just say they believe in those things, and then it's all lip service at the end of the day. Once the term is done, it almost always goes further to the left, and... Um, and quickly, I'll just say, I'd, I was having this conversation with uh, one of my kids, and she said, well, what about the abortion laws that were changed recently? And I was like, well, I mean, obviously, it's going to go the other way every now and then. If it didn't, you know, y- you would see more unrest, maybe, uh, you know, mass unrest at some point. So you've got to give one side a little, <laughs> you got to throw them a bone every now and then. And plus, when you give one side, because we have this dualistic system, 
you know, when, when you give the conservatives a win, if you will, um, it almost works in the favor of the Democratic politicians because it gets their base, it shores up their base, it brings in the, the, the donations, the funding. So it's, like you said, it's a, it's a corrupt system. It's, it's broken. <laughs> like Ace, Ace Ventura, they're, they're in the game of life, there will always be winners and losers. <laughs> right. Losers. And you have to lose to want to win the next time, right? Yeah. That's kind of what you're saying. Yeah, no. And then, you know, what sucks to me is like, because like before TNT Radio and before I, you know, had to even, well, I, I do care a little bit about politics, don't get me wrong, but like I used to be like, oh, screw them all, screw both sides, screw the whole thing, it's all broken, it's all corrupt. And then we had the Trump phenomenon, right? And he, he, he tricked a lot of people. Uh, he almost had me a little bit, don't get me wrong. I was like, oh, well, maybe this, maybe this guy's different. But then when, you're, when you realize, you're like, oh, that's his thing. He's supposed to, you, you're supposed to think he's different. Because, like, you go back to what one of his biggest promises, right, is like, crooked Hillary Clinton, lock her up, lock her. I mean, dude, if, if I had a dime for every time they had people in a room chanting lock her up, man, I'd be a freaking millionaire, right? So what happened to that? Yeah. How come she's not locked up? Remember what he said? Like, oh, yes, uh, yes, of course. Ah, yes, lock her up. No, just kidding. We're not going to do that. We, the, in fact, on, on date, like in his acceptance speech, didn't he say, we owe Hillary Clinton a debt of gratitude? Say what? Like yeah. rewind 24 <laughs> hours ago, and she's like the most corrupt, crooked person on the planet and needs to go to jail. What happened? Oh, you're a politician, but you're not a politician. Oh, but that's your thing. I get it now. Uh, and then you look at some of the very weird, strange sim symbolism, uh, the esoteric stuff involved with Donald Trump. It's like, wow, yeah, I don't, I don't know if I can trust this guy. But it, it was very clear uh, he's he's he was the one in charge of uh, – we, we have him – Say the whole world can clap their hands and say, thank you, America. Thank you, Mr. President Trump, for telling the FDA to just go ahead with those things. We don't care if they're safe or not. Warp speed that. Yeah. And nobody can – all of his base, his Trump, the Trump fans, they, they don't seem to give a crap or they don't – they're overlooked at. They don't care. He's doubled down on it. Um, even in the, the face of a candidate now of Mr. Anti-Vaccine himself, supposedly, RFK Jr., right? Mm -hmm. um, what do you think of him, out of curiosity? Well, you know, and I was having this, uh, again, I was having a conversation with someone, I can't remember who it was now. Oh, it was one of my old friends, uh, Zach, and um, I remembered, and he, he remembered as well, years ago. It was, um, and, and this was when I first kind of started getting hip to the dangers of some of the things that were in the vaccines, some of the vaccines. And we were having this conversation, and he's very liberal. And um, I was kind of going through more of a, a libertarian phase, but I, I'm, you know, I still kind of go back and forth between kind of a traditionalist conservative ideology and libertarianism too. But, um, but we were having a friendly conversation, and I was, I had seen. RFK Jr. on Bill Maher, and he was talking about the uh, the different preservatives and things in some of the the vaccines. And you know, I was just telling him, yeah, this guy's making a lot of sense. I can't disagree with him. You know, I've looked into this too, the thimerosal and different things like that. I mean, this stuff is dangerous, and it shouldn't be, you know, in vaccines stuff like that. So, I really applaud him for what he has stood for as far as being against certain things in the vaccines. But at the same time, I too feel like, you know, a Kennedy, uh, th these guys 
I mean, I honestly have never been that crazy about JFK because, you know, I think he did some good things. He had some good speeches, but he also wanted to get us in the UN uh, uh, or give the UN a lot more power over us. And we had the UN Small Arms Treaty, which would have led, you know, was really meant to lead to taking America's guns, <laughs> honestly. So things like that, I've just... And he was a Bernie bro. You know, RFK Jr. was a Bernie bro. So I think we got to look at that. I mean, you know, I think we forget because I, I see libertarians really pushing RFK Jr. And I'm like, yeah, he's saying some great things and he stood for some good things for sure. But, you know, I, I would think that uh, probably 95% of his politics would probably disagree with the most libertarians and even conservatives. So I think that a lot of times we just get this cult of personality and we get so hyped up and in, in emotionally involved in beating the opposition. And that's where they want us in the long run, that we'll, you know, we'll support somebody who doesn't even stand for most of our principles, you know, and we'll blindly defend them till the death. So I think it's, it's dangerous. I, that's not really a good answer. Uh, I would just say I don't trust him, but I think he's a, probably a decent guy. I just don't agree with probably a lot of his politics. Well, his emergence on the scene is a perfect example of, like, just how how crazy everything is. Like, it doesn't mm -hmm. make sense to me anymore, right? Yeah, yeah. So if, like, if it was difficult before to try to convince people that um, both sides are secretly working together behind the scenes and it doesn't matter which one you vote for, good luck doing that now because by all appearances, I mean, it looks like a bloodbath going on between Biden versus Trump, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and, how much of that is real and how much of that is what they want us to perceive. That's what they want us to believe. Like, I mean, mm -hmm. like it's no secret. This, this whole Biden Trump thing just blows my freaking mind. And I'm like, I, I don't, both sides are ridiculous in my opinion. The Trump people even more so, I think, uh, I hate to say it because they're like, Oh, like Bi Biden, he, he's criminal, Biden family, and bring up all of these things. And sure, oh my God, it's like, it's pretty wild. You got the Hunter family stuff, the laptop, the Burisma, the ties with Ukraine, selling the president apparently for influence peddling, all the wild stuff, like a guilty of like, de you know, taking declassified documents into his house when he was definitely not allowed to. And then he he's like, oh, I said, I'm sorry, it's okay. And then like, the, the response to that is we're going to go after the other guy when he was allowed to take the documents, but we're going to call that a crime. Like, who can look at that? Who knows anything about politics? doesn't matter which side you're on. If you, on, if you look at that honestly, if you have half a freaking brain cell, you have to be like, wow, it looks, emphasis on it looks like Trump is getting an unfair shake. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. You look. You look at Hunter Biden, and and like getting away with like taxes, tax evasion, tax fraud. He literally lied about like, dude. Do do you think like if you went down there and you wanted to get yourself a firearm, odd man, and you said I have never, I don't use these illegal substances, and then they they like you drove you drove past somebody and they blew some weed in your face, and then like you tested positive. Do you, you think he would go to prison? I bet you would. Yeah. But not if you're Hunter Biden. Right. It sure appears as though people, friends, family members of one particular power structure, political party, mm -hmm. um, seems to be able to get away with whatever they want to. It seems that way. Like, And, and, and anybody can see this. I, 
the, the left media does not hide this. Instead, they, they play defense for it. But they yeah, don't hide yeah. it. Right. So, like, right. how many of these – by now, if not definitely by the time the presidential election happens, every single person with half a brain cell who knows anything about politics will come away going into this next election thinking – that there is something seriously broken, something seriously unfair happening to one candidate, and I don't know what that what what the end result of that is going to be. Like naturally, people assume like, oh, you see, every time they do they do these indictments against Trump, like he gets more popular in the polls, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So obviously, they're like, oh my God, you guys are fools. You're only making him stronger. You're just yeah. you're going to make it easier for him to win. I hear some people like uh, Jason Burmis. I'm a huge fan of Jason Burmis. I love that guy to death. I just found out we have the same birthday, which is wild. Um, but I disagree with him. He's convinced that they are going to throw Trump in prison. Hmm. He's convinced. So okay. he's telling his his, his viewers, I, I, that's fine. I, I just I strongly disagree with this notion. He's like mm-hmm. he's telling them, you you guys are fooling yourselves if you think that they're not going to throw Trump in prison. I disagree with that. I think that they that's the impression that mm-hmm. they want to, to create everybody to rapidly react to this like okay, two tiers two tier justice system happening. We we see all these the FBI, IRS whistleblowers, all this stuff. It really does appear by all accounts and means that yes, one side is being completely treated like crap and the other side is just being like given a free pass and then some they get bonuses. It's pretty wild stuff, right? The cocaine even like they purposely don't pursue this just so everybody can suspect or, th- oh, yeah, obviously Biden's had something to do with it. Like, they, at this point, they want people to think that. Yeah, they could have yeah. easily solved all of that problem. In fact, I don't even think there was even a bag of Coke in the White House. I think the whole thing was fake. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it was, the you know, whoever's pulling, writing the screenplay here, which is probably artificial intelligence, in yeah, my opinion, yeah. uh, they want us all to think that this is what, this is the state of the world that we live in. Now, you, you, you tie that all into also this concept of uh, what we went through with the pandemic. I think the closer we get to 2024, nobody is going to want to vote for Trump. Nobody's going to want to vote for Biden. And they're going to want to vote for a third alternative. And it sure looks to me, call me crazy, but RFK Jr. just might fit this description. Mm-hmm. I know he's currently running as a Democrat. Biden won't even debate him. Oh, interesting. That cannot, this cannot be lost on Democrats. How, how can you be a card-carrying voter and believe in politics and be okay with the idea we're not even going to offer anybody else a chance? It's just like Biden just goes in no matter what. I've heard discussions from people who claim to be smart and they're into this politics, but they're Democrats and they're writing their little opinion pieces or whatever they're supposed to know. They, they, they're like, they're, they're like, Hey guys, just so you know, we're we're doing this on purpose. We know that we've got nothing on Trump. We're doing this on purpose. They think, odd man, the Democrats, or this is what they want us to think that they think. This is where it gets complicated. But take it at face value. The Democrats think that by doing these fake, uh, these these weak ass arraignments, indictments of Trump, which they know won't hold water because they won't. It, it can't. Yeah. It's going to go nowhere. I mean, it's going to get shot down, right? Mm-hmm. They're doing this on purpose. They know it's making him more popular. They're doing it on purpose because they don't want any other Republican candidate running against Biden because they're convinced 100 percent that if when it comes to when you pull that lever or you choose between Biden and Trump, you're voting Biden. 
They're convinced that like if, if the world is given the choice between Biden and Trump again, it's a shoe in for Biden. And I'm like, wh- where, where does this idea come from? They're, they're, they're putting all their eggs in one basket on one side and the other side is doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you guys are leaving the door open for a third party candidate because at the end of the day, I don't care how much you rig it. The people still matter. The, the voters still matter. And they're going to vote this time. I promise you. This is the one time. If I can say anything with confidence, odd man, I will say I, I will put money down on this. Whoever wins. This will go down in American history for the highest number of actual voters going out and voting. I'll put money on it because of everything we've been through. Yeah, I would I would agree because uh, they're you know they're working people over mentally, both sides, and um, yeah, that would make a lot of sense to have JFK run as an independent in RFK. In, RFK, I'm sorry, RFK Jr. As an no, we independent, no Q, no Q stuff here, but I'm sorry. Yeah, definitely not. <laughs> oh man, that was a great one, wasn't it? I mean, I wanted to believe that one too, but um, I don't know. Anyway, uh, I digress. But yeah, that would make a lot of sense. And um, I don't know. I mean, it's crazy. It really is insane to just how. Like I heard somebody say, I want to say it was Free, Freeman Fly. It was a few years ago, and he he said, you know, I can see how someone would not be for Trump, but I can't see how someone would be for Biden, which made total sense. That's exactly the way I, I felt about it. Um, but, yeah, they, they the problem is, you know, that people get behind these guys, and they do not care. It was like you were saying earlier, uh, you know, with Trump, uh, but same with Biden, of course. The people that support these guys do not care about the negatives. They do not care about their shady connections, uh, things that they've said that would go against the party's principles, uh, you know, just things that they've done, you know, policies they've, policies they've passed that, that go against the principles of the, you know, the party. It just all goes out the window, you know, and uh, people become really unreasonable. You know, I, I know uh, I heard literally every excuse in the books, you know, about why we should ignore any of the negatives of Trump, you know, or the, the last time, whether it was like over gun control or, you know, uh, Operation Warp Speed or you name it. And, um, you know, people just lose their mind. I remember one guy was telling me, because I was talking to him about, I said, you know, under Trump, we've had more gun control than even under Obama. And, uh, you know, this guy was livid. And he said, well, he's doing that because as things go along, he's going to get rid of every single gun law. He said it's, you know, this 4D chess or whatever. And I'm like, there's no way that you believe that, you know. But uh, it's just a scary, and it's just really frightening how people, they totally give up on thinking and just react, you know, emotionally. And it's really dangerous uh, for us in the country. And But I think it's just, it's been that way for a long, long time, you know. I think we just started to realize it more under uh, maybe the Obama years and Trump years. And so. And things are accelerating. Uh, like this, this meme popped up during the pandemic, this concept of clown world. And it's, it's getting worse yeah. every day. It's like, I, I, I never, ever thought, okay, there are some things that are taking place now that we, we easily all predicted pretty early on the idea like, oh, wow, look, they're, they're going to, 
um, they're going to do this this lockdown stuff with the climate or something else in the future, aren't they? Like we could tell because again, they they do this to themselves. So if you're paying attention, you know, early on in the pandemic when they're running stories, like like every day, it's like oh, here are the case numbers and people dying and grant, you know, it's like scary, scary, scary. Oh, by the way, check this out. Researchers have discovered that with less people driving on the roads, the environment is improving. Well, climate change is getting better. Like, And then we'll go back to death, scary, scary. Oh, oh, look at this. Researchers have noticed that animals are coming back out from the wild and enjoying themselves again while we're all locked up in our houses. This is good for Mother Earth. And I'm like, oh, crap. Look what they're doing. You know, so when you pay attention, you can see these things ahead of time. So obviously, uh, we're pretty much almost there. They're already literally talking about climate lockdowns. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, they're talking about rolling blackouts. Like, oh, hey, look at that. Those accidental rolling blackouts when everybody died from overheating. Uh, it was actually good for the environment. We just might do that on purpose now. Yay. In the name of saving the planet. Uh, eat the bugs. All of this crap. The Great Reset. Oh, my goodness. That Klaus. Klausy. Klaus, baby. A bit on the nose. You probably should have. Like, I don't know, man. They just they went for it, didn't they? They're like, <laughs> oh, they're like pandemic. This is it. It's a perfect opportunity. Great reset. Yes, yes. And then you wonder why people think you're a raving lunatic. Uh, you are. Um, yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's it's a time, too, where, like, I noticed with you, because, you know, I was kind of into the libertarian scene for quite a while. I mean, I never was a part of it. I didn't, you know, play any role in it, but I followed it pretty closely. And... One thing I was kind of amazed about, because, you know, I'm kind of a history buff and a conspiracy buff for sure. And a lot of these top libertarian guys, they waited until the last minute, until they could not ignore the WEF anymore. And I think it had to be because they are, you know, the, the big business connections. Because, you know, libertarians, you know, they, they've always been pro-big business. Although there's some, you know, I, I know that Ron Paul, I've heard him talk about, you know, being against corporatism and different things like that. And so there are some who make the difference, you know, they, they, they don't want, uh, you know, they know it can go both ways. Too much government's a bad thing or too much, you know, large companies controlling everything is a bad thing as well. But uh, a lot of them, I think they just kind of blanketly would defend the private sector, not realizing that a lot of these top private sector guys are writing the policies anyway. You know what I mean? We talked about this on Boiler Room and stuff, but um, they did not want to believe that WEF was this globalist, you know, terrible entity. And they, and I've heard a lot of, uh, even like, um, and I really like him too, but uh, what's the professor, uh, libertarian guy? Um, oh my gosh, I'm blanking on his name. He's like one of the top guys, Tom Woods. And he, you know, it, it was like probably two years ago, and he was like poo-pooing the idea that the Council on Foreign Relations was really powerful. And I've heard him since then kind of admit that at least the WEF, you know, WEF is, is very powerful and influential. But, um, you know, it's just been disappointing that some of the people, like we found out, um, I guess this is what I was leading to, I'm kind of <laughs> blathering on, but you find out that people like... Um, the guy with the eye patch, uh, Dan uh, Crenshaw, he was a WEF uh, young global leader. Uh, you start finding out that these people who are supposed to be conservative are young global leaders. Uh, Ivanka Trump, for instance, you know. And so it, it, you start to 
wonder, well, are, are there anybody out there? Is there anybody out there that is a real true conservative at heart? Uh, you know, Tulsi Gabbard, I know she was on the liberal side, but she was, she's loved by, you know, conservatives and libertarians, a young global leader there, you know? Can I, can I bring up something? Yeah, I'm glad please you brought do. This up. Please do. Apparently, uh, especially in Tulsi Gabbard's case, as well as in Vivek Ramaswamy's case, who was also listed as a World Economic Forum young global leader, they didn't. They didn't ask for that, and in fact, they don't want their names associated with that. Vivek Ramaswamy just settled a lawsuit against the World Economic Forum for that specifically. He was. He has been demanding that his name is removed, all association, because. They put his name up there without his permission, without even asking him. Apparently, this whole young global leader thing is not necessarily everything that you and I think it is. But mm -hmm. it is, but at the same time, it's not. So, like, just because you see a name up there doesn't necessarily automatically mean that they're, they're hands-on involved with all of that, right? Yeah. I've yeah. also seen the World Economic Forum do this where they'll, they'll put out reports where they'll talk about, like, a – um, we, we, we we're keeping an eye on this. We like this about this particular blockchain project or this cryptocurrency. And then conspiracy theorists will spin that like, oh, look, the, the World Economic Forum's got an exclusive deal with Ripple. So that means X, Y, and Z. And like, no, they were just showcasing that. And they were just like, they liked this and that about it. But they're not working together with it. It doesn't mean what you think it does. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So yeah. Sometimes we, we have to be careful about these things. But it was very interesting uh, that Vivek Ramaswamy – now, there's another interesting uh, alternative kind of guy. He's straight up 100 percent like you know Republican. I don't think we would see him as a third-party guy. But I yeah. mentioned RFK yeah. Jr. earlier. He might just finally decide since he's getting such a, an unfair uh, treatment from his own party, he might go third-party. You know, And if mm -hmm. he does, I, I think he could bring – He's, he's got things that are appealing from both sides, RFK Jr., that is. No, excuse me, Vivek, he's got an interesting shady past that people will question, but um, without doing, you know, without any evidence that he's part of the elite, the things that he's saying and doing are real appealing to a conservative, but, I mean, mm -hmm. someone like him will have zero chance as long as they keep doing what that Democratic plan was. Let's keep throwing, you know shade on trump making him more popular with his base and keeping the, the republicans busy so they mm -hmm. can't you know position an actual worthy opponent for biden so you know I, I don't know why they honestly think that that trump is not a sufficient enough candidate against biden yeah i don't know he's barely <laughs> cognizant of <laughs> you know I, oh yeah that, i'm glad you brought that up i'm more concerned with whoever his next vp pick is yes. i mean look 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 at the current vice president i'm like Okay, the president is one thing, but holy moly, I lose all faith in this country every time I see Kamala Harris speak. I'm like, are you kidding me? Is this real? Is this a joke? This has to be fake, right? This isn't real. No, it's real. How does that happen? What is going on? You talk about in over her head. I mean, she can barely answer. I mean, sometimes her answers are, they don't make any sense whatsoever. And I think they just picked her because of her look, don't you? Like, kind of, um, you know, she had kind no, of a... clearly they picked her because no one can explain the boiling frog syndrome quite like she can. <laughs> oh, man. And you remember, um, you, you probably remember a little bit about this when we were kids. They made fun of Dan Quell so bad. Like, this guy was, I don't know, in my lifetime, I've never heard of a, a VP being made fun of more and of course, the liberal media—they won't uh, give 
you know, they won't treat Kamala the way she deserves. They, they cover for her all the time, but, and she's way worse than Dan Quayle, way worse. <laughs> and then, to, then we go make her like the AI czar or something. <laughs> Bad idea. And that just goes to show you that it is, a lot of this is theater. It's, it's theater, political theater. And, um, you know, it, it is kind of like on one hand, you know, the conservatives like, you know, uh, President Biden, he really gets them going, you know, wh- whatever he does or says, obviously, that's natural. But at the same time, there's no way this guy is making the decisions. I, I remember uh, when he first got in there, there was a hot mic, you might remember this, and he was signing something and he was mumbling to himself. And he's like, I don't know what the hell I'm signing, but I'll sign it anyway. You know, and that's that sets the whole premise for his presidency this guy has not known what he's doing and hell honestly at this at this point i I don't don't think the president has ever been quite as well maybe at the first part of the 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 founding of the country but i think in the modern era presidents have been more of you know kind of like the face of the country kind of like the to divert attention away from this that or the other I, i had heard a rumor that the one who's always really actually in power in control is the vice president so Wow, we're really in trouble. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, that's obviously not, not the case here. But the big theory with uh, Biden is that it's really Obama uh, calling the shots. Yeah, yeah, I've heard that a lot, too. I'm like, you know. You look at a lot of their policies and their decisions, and, yeah, it's pretty much aligned, pretty much. Yeah. A, yeah. Lot, of, a lot of people could say that the, the Biden term is, like, Obama's third or whatever. You know? Yeah, yeah, and definitely. Speaking uh, oh, go ahead, of please. Obama. Yeah. Uh, Obama's one uh, personal sous chef less than he was previously this week. Did you notice? No, no. What happened? Oh, you didn't know about this? I no, this no. Uh, you, uh, they're, they have a personal chef who was who staying with them. Uh, he's no longer alive. He died in a paddle boarding accident. Uh-oh. He drowned in six feet of water. Ooh, that's uh, Just not off good. their property. <laughs> uh, and and not long after that happened, Obama showed up with a bunch of bandages on his hand and a black eye. Oh wow! So well, there's all sorts. Of, I'm surprised you didn't hear about no. this. This is all over the news all week. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I saw, and I, I honestly, I, I should have paid attention to the date, but it was a, a screenshot of a headline from Daily, um, not Daily Wire, the other one uh, that's affiliated with Tucker daily. Oh, I know what you're talking about. You know what I'm talking about. So it was a screenshot and it said that someone had came out, come out and um, said that, I guess said that um, they'd had gay sex with Obama. (laughs) And, you know, there's another guy that came out several years ago and did a, an interview with uh, Dinesh D'Souza and we're, he went into gross detail about it. So, um, I don't think it was that guy. I think it was another guy, if I'm not mistaken. So I haven't looked into it, but uh, that yeah. that talk is making the rounds again this week too, because uh, uh, well, a, a couple weeks ago, uh, who is his brother, his cousin, somebody related to Obama came out who's said in the past about 
Obama being homo. Um, but he said it again. He came out and he was like, oh, yeah, yeah, blah, blah, blah. Like everyone knows. I don't know why you're keeping this a secret anymore. Just come out already. And then um, the freaking, uh, who was it? Uh, dude. Somebody else came out and said something again about this just recently. And I'm like, you know, what is going on? Oh, oh they, they brought up uh, he um, that it's an old friend of his or something like that. And, and Obama, they, they, they found excerpts or were showing excerpts of Obama's diary or personal journal or something like that where he was talking about having sexual fantasies with men. His biographer. That was it, wasn't it? Thank yeah. you. Yeah, yeah I think Thank so. You. Well... Wow. <laughs> you know, and you got to wonder too at this point, I mean, that's not going to change anything. And is that a, just another distraction, uh, you know, up on top of a hundred other distractions that are coming out weekly <laughs> at this point? Um, so, you know, it's, it's just hard to know what's real, what's not, and what you should really spend your time researching, you know, so... <laughs> Yeah, the, I mean, we got like you know all of this stuff going on with Russia, Ukraine, potentially World War Three flashpoints left and right all over the place. We, we do have corruption taking place, as you know, we have proof positive that that's going on with the Bidens. We suspect that goes on with other people, including Trumps. Um, but no, we have to worry about whether or not uh, Michelle Obama has a penis. Uh, <laughs> whether or not their chef witnessed said penis and then uh, was whacked because of it. Um, that, that's the important things. We, we, need to, we, we got to get to the bottom of whose cocaine uh, that was at the White House. Uh, these are the important issues, odd man. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. Not uh, looking at what the, uh, what's going on with the uh, banking world and, and, you know, never mind basically the money that we've been giving to Ukraine is unaccounted for and in the you know millions upon millions now and oh man it's just it's it's crazy and of course BRICS you know you're seeing like more more countries I think joining BRICS or attempting to join BRICS and oh man it's getting crazy it is getting crazy we're seeing multipolarity actually this is something Herbori Morich talks a lot about over on TNT radio uh, he also does a podcast, by the way, called Geopolitics and Empire. Uh, you might actually recognize it. Like, oh, yeah, I know that one. Uh, that's Hervori Morich. Uh, yeah, so he's great with geopolitics, but um, he's been tracking and documenting basically how there's these little bricks happening all over the, the planet. There's these little mini EUs popping up, like African little unions and little like little gangs popping up all over the planet. Uh, but it, it seems to me that we're really moving out of this concept of, of like, you know, American empire, uh, mm -hmm. Western empire. There could be a bunch of little tiny mini empires. I, I kind of imagine kind of what we were seeing with like the Hunger Games. Mm -hmm. they, they were regionalizing everything. Um, I yeah, think that's I can, kind of where we're headed. I can see that totally. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I, I had people argue with me because – you know, I don't, I don't think that America, as far as for us, for the average person, I don't think that it's necessarily a good thing for America to be the number one empire, uh, you know, because uh, it, the things that they are doing, you know, that the people in charge to keep us number one is some pretty horrible things, you know. Uh, so I don't think that's necessarily, it wouldn't have to be a bad thing for us, the normal people, but I think that our leaders are probably going to make it a bad thing to try to use that as an excuse of why we need to get back to number one, you know? So 
I don't know. Uh, we just got to keep pushing out there and keep trying to expose as much as we can expose. And, um, yeah, man, this is, that's what you're great at. So this has been an awesome show. We're getting up to almost 125, a minute and 25. I mean, an hour and 25 minutes. But, uh, yeah, let's go ahead and wrap it up if that's cool. And, um, like, is there any, like, any links that you'd like to give out? Or, you know, I, I know you've talked about uh, what you're doing, the shows that you're on and TNT dot live but uh, any links you want to give out or anything like that or anything else you want to mention while we're or while we're talking yeah i i think it's a that's a good time time limit right there that's a, that's a good show uh thanks again for having me uh only two places i encourage people to go check out alternate current radio.com of course and then the other one's real easy tnt radio dot live so um yeah just go there um, please support anybody and everybody that you see at either of those places. Don't go there looking just for me. Don't go there looking just for Odd Man. Just go look, support uh, different people who are trying to get the truth out there. Um, I, I promise you uh, some good things can come out of this if we all stick together and uh, share the, the word around. And um, you know, that's another thing. Don't be afraid to share. If you're a fan of what you're listening to, you're a big fan of the Oddcast, you're a big fan of Ruckus, The Boiler Room, Alternate Current Radio, TNT Radio, Patrick Hennings, any or all these people that we're talking about are doing, don't be afraid to tell your friends and family. They might like it too, you know, so please share what we're doing. Um, and thanks again, Odd Man Out. Um, I, I'm a huge fan of what you do, uh, so I always look forward to uh, the next episode of The Oddcast. Uh, I'm only two behind now, actually. I'm almost caught up again. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I already got to listen to this one because I was on it. <laughs> That's right. This yeah, has been a blast. Thanks. Yeah, man, I really appreciate all the help that you've given me. And, uh, you know, it's it's really been a benefit to me. And uh, I look forward to working with you again in the future. You know, for those who are listening, we're talking about maybe doing a show on Scientology or something else. We both have a lot of uh, interests in secret societies and, and um, you know, we love, we both love Bill Cooper and, and those type of researchers and authors and stuff like that. So uh, we have a lot in common as far as our interests. And so I, I hope that we will get together soon because we've been talking about it forever and, um, I think that we'd have a great show on something like that. But, uh, yeah, like what you were saying about sharing, you know, word of mouth is fantastic. And, and even just like you see us on social media, you see us post something or, you know, not just me and Ruckus, of course, but anybody that we've been talking about or anybody that you like, it, you know, and you like what they put out there, share it, share it. It takes a second to share it on social media because we're up against these huge companies, you know, these mainstream companies that have – you know, millions of dollars for advertising and huge staffs to, you know, for marketing and advertising. So it's, you know, the only way that people are going to find out the truth is if we share it, because if they never hear it, it doesn't matter. So, you know, that's just pretty much it. True that, my man. True that. Well, well, cool, man. I look forward to talking to you again very soon. And thank you so much for doing the show. And I'll put those uh, links to TNT and ACR in the show notes, of course. And, uh, yeah, I'll talk to you soon, man. Mm-hmm.